Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Rusty Stone, welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe. Really appreciate you uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me. You are the uh, owner of the Iron Horse Restaurant here in Central or Downtown Ashland. It's really the anchor spot for Downtown Ashland. Uh, tell us how you got involved with uh, the Iron Horse. I started working at the Iron Horse in 2008 as a grill cook. You know, spent uh, a couple of years doing that. I came to work for the second owner of the Iron Horse who had bought the restaurant from the original owner in 2007. And his chef, um, Jamie, was an old high school buddy of mine. And uh, that is how I originally came to work at the Iron Horse. After some time, some opportunities came for me to uh, to take on more responsibility. Um, sous chef, then executive chef. Uh, did that for some time. Um, probably around, I don't know, 2013, just approximately. Um, went from the chef to the GM slash chef and... Uh, that was kind of my first experience with um, full restaurant management. And, you know, after some more time goes by, um, I got integrated with the bookkeeping and was able to purchase the restaurant in October of 2019. Is this a lifelong dream of yours or is this something that uh, just kind of happened and, and you enjoyed the restaurant business so much you said, hey... Let me let me be an owner of a restaurant. Yeah, so um, yeah, I grew up in the greenhouse business, growing plants, and it was a it was a company my grandfather started. You know, my dad started running the business that was um, in the Glen Allen area, um, which is where we grew up. You know, graduated from high school and were and was doing some some landscaping and was actually doing landscaping with the same guy that uh, was the chef for the Iron Horse when I went to work for the Iron Horse and we were, you know we had been friends for some time but my first experience in a restaurant was <clears throat> because of the the landscaping industry being um, kind of a, a, a nine month of the year uh, busy season if you will um, you know, we had plenty of free time in the winter, and we would we would go and pitch in and and help cook at at various restaurants. Yeah. So really, wasn't until I was twenty twenty one when um, when I went to work for a restaurant with a higher quality food and you know some some kitchen guys that were really incredibly sharp and good at what they did um, that is really when I started to develop more of a passion for the restaurant business and really specifically cooking it was years later before I had any interest in managing an entire restaurant or working in the the front of the house that probably was more born from 
I would say, you know, in, in this business, to advance your career, especially from a financial standpoint, you really need to either work for, uh, for establishments with incredibly high volume or take on as much responsibility as you can handle or be the owner. The Iron Horse was by far and above my first choice. You know, it was the place that, you know, the, the stars kind of aligned for me. Um, to be able to, um, to, to purchase the Iron Horse. So what brought you to Ashland in the first place was a job as a, as a cook. What kept you here? And what, uh, what about Ashland said, hey, I want to be a, a restaurant owner here in town? Yeah, so, you know, the, the restaurant specifically, the Iron Horse, you know, it's, it's kind of like a home for me. But once I got to work in the front and... Uh, become more you know on on personal levels with people in the community that was uh, that was definitely one of the attractions you know to staying in Ashland Um, my grandfather who started uh, the greenhouse um, many years ago he was actually living in Ashland he lived in Ashland my whole life and mm-hmm. so I was familiar with Ashland. Um, you know, we spent our childhood coming up here, um, but we weren't really frequent uh, patrons of any of the local businesses in Ashland. Um, you know, I was just, I knew, I knew what Ashland was, you know. The small community and the, the quaintness of it, the people here, the the iron horse the other business owners that i've gotten to know um, there is it's it's a great town it really is very cool so you've known about ashland your entire life it sounds like yeah so you you knew what you were uh, coming to when you took the job many years ago sure i have a feeling i know the answer at a high level to this question uh so the next question is biggest challenge in business you bought a restaurant what five or six months before uh and a worldwide pandemic started yeah yeah that was um that would i guess i guess that's probably the biggest challenge um running restaurants is you know you get used to challenges from uh personnel uh staffing challenges to challenges with the product um you know it's it's not it's not a paper company you know the the product always comes in different it's something that you have to have eyes on at all times. It goes bad. You know, you have to move it out in a certain amount of time. Uh, it keeps you on your toes. And the pandemic, you know, th- there's just nothing. There's no experience that could prepare you for that. Um, that is, you know, we, we all went through that no matter how experienced uh, as a business owner or as a restaurant manager or as an employee at a restaurant or anywhere you know this was something that we all um, you know got really familiar with real real quick yeah, and so what what was it like the first few days first few weeks uh, of the pandemic as you were being told that you, you couldn't be open right for a period of time yeah so you know, I remember having conversations with my managers and, you know, kind of 
telling them that, you know, at first it wasn't something in my head that was going to be a big deal. You know, we, we remembered things as kids and, and years ago going through, you know, bird flus and swine flus and things that never really seemed to create that much havoc in our area. And so the day that I realized that this was going to turn my world upside down and the people around me was, um, I was watching a basketball game at home and it was, it was an NBA game. Mark Cuban was on the sidelines. The news feed came through on my phone that they were going to be canceling the rest of the season or suspending the rest of the season. And you could see him on camera getting the message also. Mm. And maybe it was actually uh, the NCAA that made the call first. That part, uh, I don't remember exactly. But that was kind of the moment that that I knew things were going to change. And at that point in time, we were still running a very busy restaurant. Within a couple of days, I had furloughed my staff and told them to Mm. file for unemployment. Um, It's about 29 total people, you know, got used to showing up uh, at the Iron Horse um, and being the only employee. Uh, Fortunately, there was a period of time when uh, I was doing some some off-site catering for a trucking company. And, you know, so it kept me busy. You know, we we went from... um, having full capacity to uh, being limited to 50 people. And at that point in time, everyone was so scared to come to a restaurant anyhow that we didn't have 50 people coming in the restaurant anyways. Um, And then when they dropped it from 50 to 10, it was like, well, I can't even pay anyone to be here. At 10 doesn't make sense for anybody, right? Right. So... So I made the decision to, uh, to close the restaurant for uh, uh, what was not an incredibly long period of time. Um, I think it was about 10 days, if I'm not mistaken. Worked with uh, another company to develop an online ordering system and do the things that uh, you know, we were going to need to do to, uh, to be open and, and being open with other employees. It kept me so busy with the constant conversations, whether it was friends or family or staff or customers. Um, it, was, it was all about are, what, are you, what, what are you doing? Are you okay? Do you need anything? The only way that I could get some of these things done were, you know, it was to close the restaurant for a period of time. And that was okay because one of the most frustrating parts of that process was they just kept changing the rules, you know, and we would adapt and it would change again and we would adapt and it would change again. And part of me thought, well, we can, we can shut it down for a period of time and um, maybe the powers that be will kind of catch up to this thing, give us some guidelines that make sense that they don't have to, you know, pull the rug again um, and we'll be able to move forward. This whole process has been similar to that, you know. There's nothing like those first couple of weeks, but... You know, the, the reopening phases, the, uh, 
um, you know, the patio only, you know, after the, the carry out only phase. Um, and then we could start having some people inside again. And then, you know, we've eventually gotten back to, to a full capacity, um, situation, but your kitchen was meant for the number of seats that you could put inside. It was not meant for inside and outside. And you, you got to a pretty big place with your outside seating. Yep. Can, can the kitchen support uh, your new reality? Uh, you know, that has been uh, certainly something that we've adapted to. We've had a patio over the years, for sure. You know, when we first went from carry-out only to... Uh, you know, people can sit on the patio again, there were still the distancing requirements. With the road being open and the pedestrian traffic, you know, if we were to use what was our original patio space with the the distancing requirements, um, it really hardly would have made any sense for us to even bother, you know. Um, We probably would have been able to have five tables total it's it's hard to to drive enough business with five tables to really start adding staff back so what we've what we've been able to do with the town closing the road down in front of the restaurant and basically making the street the pedestrian lane and the you know it gave us access to the full width of the sidewalk we were actually um, even using some of our neighbors um, sidewalk you know his storefront at at, um, at changing rains uh, with the distancing requirements we were actually able to have 12 to 13 tables at a time at first and now with the 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 loosening of the you know, the the distancing you're exactly right kind of back to your point um there's more seating you know so then you go back to opening some inside and and not having to be as distance inside adding uh bar stools back we have had to uh, make some changes to how we prep our food uh how we how we write our menus to to run a restaurant with additional seating capacity um, definitely meant for us that we had to make some some adjustments to our menu and a lot of those adjustments we had already made for whether it was the, the to-go only phase you know we made adjustments there um, whether it was making things more travel ready making things that um, you know took less time to prepare uh, less people to prepare because we had already made some of those adjustments in the earlier stages of the pandemic you know adding capacity wasn't really quite as bad um, it was bringing the staff back that was more of the challenge at that point in time so you menus you hit menus that's a sweet spot here um, tell me what uh, two or three of the most popular dinners uh folks buy when they come into your restaurant um well we we sell a good bit of steaks the filet mignon was probably of all of our entrees the the most popular and we've had times when you know uh, the filet wasn't always an option but we've always had uh at least one or two steak options from ribeye and new york strip uh the filet 
um, and other options as well. But the filet has definitely been the most popular. The salmon entree is very popular. We also do a shrimp and scallops entree. That is incredibly popular. We'll change the sides and how it's done, um, you know, sometimes for, for seasonal adjustments. But some of these items have just become so popular that it's hard, it's hard to change them too much yeah. because we'll get a little pushback on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you come back, do you think? you feel like you've come back from the pandemic? Yeah, I would say that we have. There's still this looming, you know, um, sense of there's little normalcy to it, you know. Um, constantly, not as constantly, but um, frequently, I should say, having conversations with other restaurateurs who are really struggling yeah. to find help you know these people are working all hours of the day they're helping their their kitchen prep then helping the dining room uh manage during service and then washing dishes at the end of the night i mean it's just it's it's really wild are, are you struggling with staffing uh we went through a phase no doubt about it where we were we were really um in in a jam we were coming out of the winter time right around Valentine's Day. Well, for, for the Valentine's Day weekend, uh, it became very clear that people were ready to come out and patronize our, our restaurant. And I knew that we weren't the only place. And so, yeah, I think people were just done. We had had this phase from the summer and into the fall of last year where the restrictions were pretty loose comparatively. And... When the, when the colder season came around and the numbers started going up again uh, and, and they started to tighten the restrictions again. And, you know, I know my family, um, you know, wife, three kids, very young uh, children. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of maddening the amount of time that you just really can't do anything. I'm actually grateful that I was able to continue to uh, go and, and work and try and run my restaurant the best that I can. You know, coming out of Valentine's Day uh, and seeing the demand that was coming, we did our best to try and prepare for it, but it was very little response, if any, to, um, to ads for staffing. And, um, and kitchen staff was definitely the hardest part of that. When the weather broke got warmer um, and the vaccines really started rolling out about the same time you know it was just constant just trying to um, be creative and invent ways to keep up with the demand I, I mean I feel lucky um, or, or very fortunate to to have some of the people around me that have been incredibly helpful um, you know hands-on helpful as well as connected enough to uh, to find some staff and so we kind of got over that hill pretty quickly you know now we're looking at some of our younger uh, front of the house staff you know they've graduated from high school they're ready to go off to college we have at least three or four people that um, that we're going to be losing here at the end of the summer and we're hopeful you know that People are ready to come back to work who haven't. New students coming to Randolph-Macon. 
possibly looking for some part-time hours, whether it's as a host or a server or whatever the, you know, it, typically um, front of the house is uh, the most um, popular thing with the with the college students. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there there have been some positives for certain businesses. Has your restaurant uh, had any positive impacts from the pandemic? As strange as that sounds for me to say. You know, I would. I'm I'm grateful. I am. I'm grateful that we are where we are. As it specifically relates to the pandemic, you're. I would say you're a little bit hardened um, coming out of this as a business owner. There are certainly management, you know, managers in the in the industry who uh, probably feel very much like I do. You know, there are there are things that <clears throat> the pandemic has allowed us to to change things that you know we've talked about doing for years. You know, when you have that little bit of a buffer with the the time not being opened and then you have this additional you know much longer span of time where the customer is very understanding you know whether it's a little bit longer of a a wait time or you know there's there's adjustments that we've been able to make that we've wanted to make for years that uh, we really don't have intentions on on going back to the old way future you know, one one example I would give for this is the um, is the tables in the dining room. We've always used white tablecloths because of cost. We've always put this butcher paper over top of the tablecloth, and um, while it helped greatly to cut down on the cost of the constant changing of the tablecloths, you know, when the pandemic hit and we couldn't have salt and pepper shakers on the table anymore, um, you know, the tablecloths came came off also. Um, uh, we had to be able to sanitize it after every person sat down. You yeah. can't really do that with a tablecloth, um, at least not to where it would make sense. So we're ordering um, new tabletops that will take the, the old ones off of the bases, it's like an old um, vinyl uh, cover to this uh, particle board like wood. Some of them were moved in and out during the patio only phase. They got a little moisture in them. They're kind of coming apart. Um, you know, yes, we could go back to putting the tablecloths over top of them, but it's an added cost and an added hassle that, that I've never really cared for because the, the butcher paper just always kind of cheapened the experience mm. a little bit, you know? Um, so we've taken a look at some different nice uh, butcher block uh, tabletops. You know, you can, you can sanitize these things. They're, uh, they're, they're ready for any future pandemic if that were to be the case. And they just look great, you know? So we've got a longer wait time on these things to come in. And, you know, the price of lumber uh, has been a little bit up there, but, um, you know, we, uh, that's, that's just one thing that, um, that I would say it's kind of like a, it's a benefit coming out of this. It's just not something, you know, while, while, while it's a, a, it's a hefty cost, it's kind of an investment for the long run because I'm, I'm definitely not okay with continuing to use these old vinyl top tables without the tablecloths on them. We got to do something, right? The long-term cost of the linen 
uh, it's something that a lot of restaurants have gone away from, you know, nicer restaurants, newer restaurants. Um, uh, they've, they've seemed to started to, to become something of a thing of the past. You know, I know that there's an attraction to it, a quality to it, but when people see these, um, these new tops that we're getting, I think they're going to be very, very pleased with it. So, very cool. Yeah. Are you, uh, what are your hours? So we're, we're closed on Mondays. We open for dinner on Tuesdays at 4.30. Um, and we do lunch and dinner the rest of the week. Most days, well, every day except for Sunday, we open at noon and we serve through the evening. We've been closing the bar 10 o'clock on the weekdays, 11 on the weekends. Uh, that will change again uh, in the near future with some, some musicians starting to come back again. But uh, Sunday brunch, we open at 11. Sunday dinner, we close at 8.30. So, okay. Yeah. And are you in the restaurant every day but Monday? I'm there on Monday also. <laughs> <laughs> Seven-day-a-week job. Um, it, it, for, for the past year, it has pretty much been that. And I have wow. gotten some some break in there, uh, like what my family and I just got back from the Outer Banks, and we did spend a week down there uh, last week, and that was awesome. There's some trade-off, you know, the younger kids, you know, life at home before the pandemic, before I owned a restaurant, the, de- the, the demand of the job is great, and there, there's certainly long hours to it. What I've been able to do, you know, since we've come through this uh, pandemic and um, started to bring staff back, uh, while I am there seven days, most days of the, you know, most weeks um, there seven days, um, some of them are short days for me. You know, they're not all morning to, you know, late night. But Mondays are, are, it's one of the days that we receive uh, food from vendors and, you know, writing a, a schedule with staff. It's, it's definitely easier with a day that you're closed. You know, before the pandemic, we were open seven days a week, two shifts a day, hmm. 14 shifts a week, right? So the amount of extra staff you have to have when you're open seven days is... Um, and I never really paid that much attention to it before because we were just open seven days a week. As we've started to add shifts back coming from a, a period when we were, I mean, we were closed more of the week than we were open there for a little while. Having a day where everyone is, is off, you know, it's just a guaranteed day off for everybody. It, it definitely makes scheduling easier um, and even more so when staffing is an issue. Right. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Tell us about your family. My wife and I, we've, we've known each other for quite some time. Um, we got married, I would say it's been, it's been about 10 years now. And we have three kids, two are girls, one boy. My oldest, she just turned seven. Uh, my middle child... She will be five um, in August, and then our son was born in the in the window between buying the restaurant and the pandemic um, coming. So he will be two in uh, in November. 
Okay. Yeah. Busy house. It's a very busy house. Yes. And, you, about and it. you have a busy workplace too. Yep. Yep. <laughs> busy life. Uh, it, as we close here, anything you want to share with our listeners about the Iron Horse? Um, you know, I would say um, certainly to those who have been supportive over the years, especially this past year, um, I am personally extremely grateful. You know, this town has been incredibly supportive to the Iron Horse and to other small businesses. Um, You know, before the pandemic, that was the case. When the pandemic hit, um, you know, it was magnified. and, And I'm grateful for that. And, you know, for those who haven't been to the Iron Horse, um, come check it out. I think that it is well worth a trip. And, you know, we have folks that snowbird, uh, travel twice a year. They come and see us. Um, you know, they stay at the Hampton Inn or right here off the, uh, off the interstate exit. And they come to the Iron Horse. We have, we have folks that, you know, some of their family is in Fredericksburg and some of their family is in Richmond. And they meet you know, here for lunch or for dinner and, you know, as part of the, the center of the universe um, experience, if you will. I'm, I'm certainly excited for the, the, the future of the town and the restaurant and, um, you know, uh, I'll probably leave it at that. Okay, cool. Well, uh, Rusty, thank you so much for joining us yeah, today. For I really me. appreciate the uh, time. No problem. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.